going beyond the headlines, getting to the heart of the story. Calgary Today with Joe McFarland on 770 CHQR. Every so often we get a show that has a certain theme to it. And today it's business from the energy sector here in town to how we should be showing off some of the good business stories still happening here to making yourself stand out if you're without a job. Those stories and a few other things here on the Calgary Today podcast. Hope you enjoy it. By no means am I saying that this is anything new, but it does put a bow on the top of what the discussion and the tone of the discussion has been surrounding our energy industry over the last little while. Fraser Institute now saying for the first time in more than five years, no Canadian province ranked in the top 10 most attractive jurisdictions for oil and gas investment. What could the causes be? Well, we'll bring in a global news reporter, Tomasia De Silva, who is our business guru, to dive more into what some of the, the report had to say about uh, our energy industry here in Canada. Tomasia, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. You're welcome. What is it that the Fraser Report is saying about not only Alberta's energy industry, but Canada's as a whole? Well, it's a pretty damning report, and uh, I spoke with the Fraser Institute today more about it, but it basically says that Canadian provinces were shut out out of the top 10 most attractive jurisdictions for oil and gas investment in their annual survey. So that meant when they ranked global jurisdictions for attractiveness in investment, specifically in energy investment, Canada was shut out. Alberta really, really bad ranking, a number of 43. Now, compare that to 2014 when it came in with a ranking of 14th. So that's quite a drop for Alberta. Did the report go into the reasoning why the rankings have fallen behind for Canada and for Alberta? It sure did. And it's basically, uh, for Canada, it's basically tied into Alberta because, of course, Alberta is the major energy investment jurisdiction in Canada. But uh, respondents said that uh, 60% of survey respondents cited Alberta's high taxes. More than 70% cited Alberta's high cost of regulatory compliance as deterrence to investment. And when I spoke with the Fraser Institute, they said that that basically is for all of Canada. We're basically handcuffing and, and shutting out investment because our regulatory processes and rules are just so restrictive for anyone looking to come in. It's a fascinating report in that it's nothing, I don't want to say it's nothing new, but at the same time, it kind of puts the bow on top of what a lot of people have been talking about, whether it's the Chamber of Commerce, whether it's different business groups within our city and our province. And I'm wondering if the if and what the Premier had to say surrounding this, because I know she's out in Toronto trying to say, hey, take a look at us. This is why we're important. She didn't specifically talk about the phrase Institute report, but however, I did listen to what she did have to say to to the Toronto Board of Trade, and she did say that investors across the world are watching. They're watching what is happening in Canada and in Alberta, and she's specifically talking, of course, about pipelines, which she has been pushing across the country as a must-do now because we're shutting out investment and we're losing billions of dollars all the time. And it was interesting, she also told the crowd that a barrel of bitumen now sells for less 
than the cheapest Argos ticket. And she was, of course, making reference to the Stamps win uh, recently and how Argos tickets, uh, apparently the Argos came in uh, pretty bad this season. And mm. uh, and uh, that's what she was making reference to. So she was saying like 10, as of Tuesday, 10 bucks a barrel is what our bitumen is fetching. So not good. And, and she said that investors across the world, they're watching. Well, and that's the big thing, right? The differential has been a, a point of consternation in the industry and it continues to be and it doesn't seem like there's really an end in sight at this particular moment. So something that we'll continue to keep an eye on for sure. Tomasi, I appreciate the time this afternoon. You're very welcome. All righty. So there is a video that's been posted on in particular LinkedIn and it's just a short little 30 seconds, but it really kind of puts into perspective how I think some people are feeling right now uh, that aren't on the negative side of we're, we're all going to hell in a handbasket. No one's fucking crying for Calgary. Oil is not going anywhere, but I don't believe it's the future of our city. As much as people dispute there's not much art and culture in this city, I will fight that tooth and nail. Because compared to Toronto and New York, Calgary's cost of living is way more manageable. I think we're on the upswing. I see a lot of opportunity. But again, at the end of the day, it's going to be guys like you and guys like me and people like you watching that build this city back up. I am aiming to speak with the creator of that video who's been doing a series of videos for a while uh, around this. And this is the... I guess the polarizing debate that's happening in the city now is you have one side saying there's no way we can move forward without oil and gas. And there's another side of the argument saying, hey, we have other industries and hey, we can start investing in other industries now. And there's an opportunity here. And it, it was really highlighted a couple of months back. I remember chatting with Sandeep Lolly from the Chamber of Commerce when they launched its grow time. And the idea that maybe what happens if oil and gas don't come back? What happens if the price doesn't rebound? What happens if are we just going to sit there and twiddle our thumbs and wait for something better? Or are we going to create those opportunities? And one of those opportunities that is starting to make its way out there is the idea of giving back as a collective group in any way they can. Move Forward YYC is all about that. You can follow them on Twitter at Move Forward YYC. And one of the guys behind that movement is Amish Morjaria. Amish, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Yeah, thanks for having us. What is Move Forward YYC? Yeah, so Move Forward YYC essentially is a community of entrepreneurs moving our community forward. Um, the premise of it is to uh, really give a platform for all business owners to A, collaborate, and get together and um, really give back to a community that's given to us. Is that the, the, the main part of this is less about how do we make money and more about how we give back for that kind of social standing in a sense? You know, I think it's actually a combination of both, uh, to be honest with you. First, the mandate is, you know, you believe in, in, in community and, and building a community. Um, but you're only able to do that with resources, right? If you talk about human resources or you talk about capital or or, uh, or just people and brain power. Um, so I think they're really tightly knit. Uh, but the idea for Move Forward YYC is, is just that. It's 
let's gather entrepreneurs that a unite on a single purpose of of believing in community um, and b are successful business owners that want to help each other as well. Where was this idea born out of? Was this just something you know sitting around a pub one day talking? This would be a great idea. How did this all come about? Yeah, good question. It, it's actually always been um, a part of our marketing agency, Four Level Marketing, uh, to give back. And, and we, we used to host um, charity events whenever we could in, in terms of giving back. And um, a certain one kind of ran its course. So we actually, you know, it's funny you mentioned that it, it was at, on a patio of a, of, a, <laughs> of a bar where we scribbled it, you know, the, the cliche entrepreneur type idea on a napkin. And, and we said, well, how can we um, a collaborate with with other p- cool people doing cool things, um, and B move our community forward. So yeah, it, it was um, a, an impromptu uh, lunch that led to something that's very tangible today, which is pretty exciting. There's been a lot of talk lately about how to kind of kickstart the economy and how to get the positive vibes rolling again. Where do you think is step one in the process when you th- consider what move forward is all about? Yeah, you know what? I think it's all about positivity and actually amplifying the the positive um, movement that's already happening in business. And I think being from Calgary, we we always are uh, right, rightfully so, focused on the oil and gas sector. Um, granted, that's that's what we can thank to a lot of our in our industry and economy. But there's a lot of other smaller business and mid-sized business that aren't in that industry that are thriving, right? And um, these are the ones that are willing to band together. Um, and also help Calgary come out of this economic uh, downturn or challenge um, and move it forward, right? And that's the idea of the essence of move forward is how do we actually multiply and amplify our network to create change that um, the bigger organizations could? And really it's through collaboration, connection, networking, a clear purpose that we all align on. Sounds a little bit like kind of the thank you economy, right? Like if so, if we're doing good for the if one group is doing something good, you support them, and then the, it kind of snowballs that way. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, it's it's. I think it's. Um, I think it's a state of being. It's not. It's not a uh, an act, right? And, and I think it's it's just ingrained in in yourself or your business that hey, this is truly something I believe in. Um, and that's what exactly I think when you have that purpose inside of you and you get to partner with others that have that same purpose, amazing things can happen. And so I think that the actual progression of this will be quite natural. And, and to give you an example, this towel drive, um, it was it was amazing how easy this whole thing kind of came together because the right people uh, who were connected on the same purpose kind of uh, connected. Yeah, I was going to ask you next about that exact thing because one of the things I noticed today scrolling through Twitter was you guys going out to the drop-in center. Uh, explain how that all came to be and what the plan was. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, it was another one of those um, power of numbers type uh, movements where um, uh, a colleague of ours uh, from Standing Command and, and Forward Level, we teamed together to create a, a stage at Folk Fest this uh, summer called um, Move Forward YYC. And so uh, we, we were, uh, a friend of ours sent us an email about three days before the festival saying, hey, there's this big shortage with all these agencies. And we're like, hey, this is a perfect opportunity to use this platform to connect Calgary, uh, all the concert goers and our friends and our community partners to engage in this uh, initiative. So what started out as 
on probably about 24-hour notice, uh, we were able to collect about 1,400 towels by the end of the four-day festival, and then we decided to continue that on and engage our other partners uh, in the business community. I think today we have uh, committed to donating over 2,100 towels to uh, a few agencies here in town. If you had one piece of advice for those people, what would it be? I think uh, if anything that I learned today is that um, business owners, Calgary community members, individuals, they're all hungry to contribute to our city. And I think that the narrative of Calgary is evolving and we have this amazing opportunity to help shape it. So we're hoping that something like this may inspire others to start their own initiatives. Um, and if they need more info or, or kind of want to learn how we did it, um, the website's moveforwardyyc.ca. Uh, we'll be going officially live uh, in terms of a membership program in uh, the beginning of 2019. But until then, they can sign up and uh, and then we can communicate with that way. Amish, thanks so much for uh, what you guys are doing. And thanks so much for the time this afternoon. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. Amish Mortaria is with Move Forward YYC. And it's going to be something that I want to talk about again tomorrow as well is the idea of... Maybe I'm not saying that we need to just throw the energy industry out the back door, but we cert I think we need to welcome other ways of getting us to be more positive with more open arms and welcoming in other industries and investing in those other industries and Again, that positivity, breeding positivity, this is one of those ways. And and in case you're wondering, I, I blanked momentarily on the name of the gent who had put that 30-second uh, snippet together that we lo- showed you about 10 minutes ago. It was Ryan Gill. You can follow him on, uh, on Twitter and LinkedIn as well as where I found him. Uh, again, it's one of those things where there's, there's a, a certain, I'll, I'll call it a certain kind of, feel around the city, around the energy industry, but there's another feel with other industries. And when we come back, I'll dive a little bit more into what we should be doing or what I'd like to see out of maybe city council or the province when it comes to bringing these industries to light. This is Calgary Today on 770 CHQR. Changing gears now, and as we've heard in the news, the province unveiling its plan to provide what it calls long-term predictable infrastructure money for both Calgary and Edmonton. Finance Minister Joe Cece joining us now. And Minister, I wanted to start off by talking about this money. What does it all entail? And are there any strings attached? Sure. Well, let me tell you that, first of all, this is a historic new fiscal framework with those two cities, Calgary and Edmonton. And it enshrines, Joe, uh, the annual capital funding for the cities and legislation. And it links, it's linked to changes in our provincial revenue. So if we do better at the province, they do better. Uh, if we don't do so well, they don't, you know, they, they get a little bit of a cut. Uh, so, but, but they wanted that because it provides them with certainty and predictability, uh, for them. And for our, our side and the pr- province's side, it's a, an achievable, it, it maintains a path to balance for the province, so it's fiscally sustainable over the long term. On the $500 million in particular, that starts in 22-23, because you know the MSI uh, and the basic municipal transportation grant programs continue until 2021-22, and uh, 
And that $11.3 billion that was committed to in the MSI and then the basic municipal transportation grant on top of that, that's when they transform into this new fiscal framework. So it's made up of two components, a revenue component, which is based on the provincial revenues, and a fuel component, which is based on changes in fuel sales uh, that go on. So it's it's a really great, um, you know, it's a long way of saying it's a really great new framework, both for the cities of Edmonton, Calgary, and for the province. When it comes to that baseline of $500 million, where does that cash come from? Uh, well, right now, they're, uh, they're getting a grant, and they're getting the basic municipal transportation grant on top of that. So the MSI is a grant. Uh, so it comes from the province uh, uh, of Alberta in terms of the MSI, and the second part is the flow-through from uh, fuel sales in their cities. Is there an expectation on what these this money is going towards from the provincial government standpoint? Actually, yeah, this is for uh, capital infrastructure funding in their cities. And uh, Mayor Iveson was here today as part of the news conference, and he said, you know, this is the kind of thing that we can count on uh, for developing out our LRT. It's for making sure our communities uh, have the infrastructure they need off the start instead of uh, waiting for things to take place, uh, like growth of the community. Uh, so it's it's stable. It's uh, per, it's permanent capital infrastructure funding for their communities. You're a Calgary MLA. If you're also a taxpayer at the end of the day. If you're asking the mayor and council to pick out a few projects, or eh, I, I won't make you pigeonhole the project, but no. anything in particular that you would be expecting council to spend that money on here in Calgary? Well, certainly uh, it's going to help them uh, plan into the long term the build out of the LRT. Uh, we are also, as part of this, uh, contributing, uh, in addition to the $1.5 billion roughly that they already have for the Green Line uh, that, that comes out of the carbon levy money, Joe, mm -hmm. we are putting $400 million to be split evenly between Edmonton and Calgary starting in 2026 when uh, their cash flows for the Green Line and the Valley Line uh, end in 2026. We've put $400 million starting from that year, 26, 27, to be there every year so that they can build out their their preferred uh, green, um, LRT system and, tra and mass transportation system, which is really good because it reduces greenhouse gases. It uh, reduces congestion for everybody. I would think that other things that they would uh, plan for uh, is that huge unfunded uh, capital list that the city always has. Now they can have certainty of knowing where their money's coming from, how much money they're getting, and they can plan to move down that list in an orderly fashion, which includes... Um, uh, road infrastructure, it would include community infrastructure, um, the, the kinds of things that make uh, quality of life better in their communities. And one of the questions I was going to ask, which I think you answered there, is, and I'll use the example of one of the ones that's been on the infrastructure list for quite a while now, is uh, the field house. Is that something that would be possibly put that money towards? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it is uh, something that uh, would help, uh, obviously, people who are uh, playing sports, um, enjoying those sorts of things. But it's also an economic development driver because it'll attract uh, uh, 
different events there uh, in the area of sports, and it'll bring people into the city from the region. Uh, I, I should say as well that there's a regional uh, pot of money as well that will be $50 million a year. Uh, and that'll be split a third, a third, a third, uh, Calgary, Edmonton, and then uh, other communities uh, will get that third. And it's to uh, incent working together on economic development uh, initiatives that will uh, be for the good of the region and employment and uh, jobs. Finance Minister Joe CC, thank you so much for the time today, sir. Anytime. Take care. Bye-bye. School of Public Policy out with a report this week saying the average duration of unemployment in Alberta has nearly tripled over the last 10 years. Instead of getting into the causes and the impacts, I wanted to chat with someone who could give us some tips on how to beat that, how to stand out in the crowd. Jessica Kulo of Express Employment Professionals joins us now. Jessica, thanks for joining Thank you for having me. Let's talk about this issue from the standpoint of someone who has been waiting for a job and they think that they've got what they think is the best resume, but it's obviously not enough. What kind of tips would you have for those on the job hunt who think they've got the best job lined up possibly to maybe stand out so that they get noticed? We hear this a lot from candidates and job seekers. They find a position that they're really, really interested in, but then they're frustrated because, yes, they might have tailored their resume to it, but um, they get overlooked um, or they're being told that the only way to apply is to go to the online application. Um, We've talked a lot this year about how candidates are finding these online applications to essentially be black holes, so they Mm -hmm. find that they don't get a response. They can't follow up. A lot of times employers will have you know, stipulations to saying, please don't call, don't follow up, so they don't know what exactly they can do to stand out. Things that we've um, experienced have helped and have worked is while tailoring your resume to the specific position, that's important, but also if you have to fill an application out, use keywords that could be pertinent to the role. So, for example, if they're asking for a certain software program, experience with that, make sure you have that software program listed in your application. And even if it's to say, I have not worked with such and such a program, at least then the search functions will bring the person's name up in the search tools and the search functions that are used by employers. Other things that we suggest, because a lot of times, like I've mentioned, um, phone calls are are not really encouraged for follow-up. Neither is going in in person, which I feel is a shame a lot of the time because so often employers need to see and meet candidates in order to determine if they're a good fit for the culture of the organization. But regardless, I know that that is an issue. So we've encouraged candidates to check out things on social media. So if it's a company you want to work for, follow them on Twitter communicate and interact and and engage them through Twitter, post LinkedIn as well, add um, influential people within the organization that you're wanting to work for to your LinkedIn account and see what kind of momentum you might be able to establish from that, see if you can get to know anybody um, that way. And then another thing that we'll suggest is um, do some research. We're finding increasingly candidates are not researching the companies that they are applying to. And that can be a sore spot for employers, but then also hinder the opportunities for the candidates. So you can do some research and find out, hey, you know, this particular organization, they are a big supporter of, you know, the Stollery Children's 
Network or or Miracle Network or Story Children's Hospital or United Way or some organizations, see what events they might be putting on or see what you might do to get involved in that way as well. It's not enough, it seems, nowadays to just hope that your experience is going to win the day in a sense. You may have the most sparkling resume when it comes to past experience, but if no one sees it or no one sees the personality that goes along with it, chances are you're going to be putting your resume into that black hole that we've talked about before. Yeah, and then conversely, too, what I see, and I I also think it's it's just a shame, is where um, perhaps the person receiving resumes, just their the way their opinion of what a good resume is can be different from their colleagues' opinion of what a good resume is. And so I think sometimes a really good candidate can be overlooked because maybe they think their resume is good, but the person who's receiving it just doesn't. So it, it can be somewhat subjective, and I think that's a challenge as well. Does this put the onus, I guess, on the employer, potential employee to make some connections beyond the person that is doing the recruiting in hopes that maybe word of mouth will mm-hmm. get them searching a little more? Yeah, yeah. We'll have people say, you know, in the sense of being frustrated, oh, it's just all about who you know. So I'll often say, well, then then get to know some people and, and see what you can do to make that work to your advantage. And then on the flip side, too, for employers, I think it's important um, that employers take the time whenever possible to engage with the candidates. Uh, one thing that we're doing here that's different is we are taking the time to speak with all applicants, and that's a big deal. That's We get a lot, hundreds of applications every day, so we have dedicated people to take the time just to talk to applicants because our opinion is we're going to uncover some talent that's being overlooked. I suppose in this job market as well, if you're currently holding down a job, on the flip side of that would be make sure you're not burning any bridges because down the line you never know who you're going to know and that word of mouth is extremely important in today's day and age. It's so true. That is so true. Jessica, I appreciate the time today. Okay, good to talk to you. Thank you. Jessica Kulo is with Express Employment Professionals here in Alberta. Some food for thought there. If you're looking for a job or on the flip side, if you're kind of looking over your shoulder in a sense too. This is Calgary Today on 770 CHQR. Thank you so much for downloading today's podcast. Do me a huge favor and leave a rating and a comment. And you can always hit me up on Twitter as well. Just follow me at Calgary Today.